All right. This morning, what originally started out as another part in our series, Baptism in the Early Church, I decided this afternoon to take the messages we did this morning and break it out of that series. I'm going to create a separate series. We're going to call it Baptism in the Scriptures. And the reason we're doing that is because if I keep it Baptism in the Early Church, part 14, part 15, part 16, part 17, part 18, people, people may not see exactly what we're trying to do in, in the, these remaining episodes. What I'm trying to do is everyone can debate, debate all day about baptism. They, I mean, obviously, they've been debating about it for 2,000 years and nobody agrees. We have clearly established with baptism in the early church that one, clearly something changed dramatically from the Didache to Hippolytus. Clearly we can see there was disagreement and clearly we can see that nobody goes back and takes everything that the early church was doing and puts it into practice. So clearly the early church is not the authority because people just pick and choose what they want. So they can claim all day the early church this, the early church that. Nobody fault, nobody's doing nude baptism. So clearly not everyone is following that. So we've established what the early church, we, we, I think we did what we set out to do, right? But... When it comes to it, rarely in any church are you going to go from Matthew to Revelation and look up every single verse where the word baptism, baptized is used, deal with everything those verses present to us, not by going to commentaries or books on baptism, by just looking at the text and struggling through it. And I think we've done that. We started in Matthew. We made it through all of Matthew. We made it through all of Mark, and we got started in Luke. I think we're up to Luke 7, I think, Luke 6 or 7, where we stopped. Okay, now, this is what we've established so far. Please, let's make sure we don't miss one of these points. And if you weren't here, please write these down. And if you're listening online, please write these down. What we established in Matthew and Mark and and Luke 1 through 6, here's what we've established about baptism based off Scripture Alone, clear. We didn't use commentaries. I didn't use any book on theology. I mean, we just work together as a church, going through the text. That's what I love to do. Working together, trying to see what we can see. And this is what we established. First thing we established was the mode of baptism. And the mode of baptism is immersion. And anyone who argues with that is not even remotely trying to be fair. We, we established this by what means? uh, Well, based starting with the Greek word, baptizo, there is no way to get around it, means immersion. It means to submerge. It means to to be fully wet, to overwhelm. That's what it means. I mean, there's just no way to get around it. That's what it means. Not only only did the Greek word mean that, what else did we determine? And anyone can try to say, but there's an exception. This one time in 46 AD, someone used it to refer to, you know, stop it. That's what the word means, okay? Not only is that what the word means, what else did we determine? Every baptism that we have seen so far, they have gone, it, it's either described, they were baptized in the Jordan, coming up out of the water. The language clearly implies it, right? So we established the mode of baptism. Second, we established the candidates for baptism. The candidates for baptism, in every case so far, clearly are not children. And how we established this is, remember, these people had to 
they, were, they had to be taught, confessed, and believed. So the candidates are not infants. We would even rule out small children to some level, right? Okay, and, and not only that, and I know uh, Presbyterians and Lutherans and Catholics would mock us for this, but I'm sorry, if you're establishing, just think about this from a biblical perspective. If God wants us to understand the way to save a baby is to drop some water on its forehead in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and make it a magic Christian, you would think the first person to, to be the best illustration of, of that would have been Jesus being baptized at eight days old. But for some weird reason, he waited until he was 30. Now they'll say, well, it's not the same thing. I don't know. It seems pretty important that if you're going to establish, hey, the way, the way to do baptism is to do, no, he waits till he's 30. I'm sorry. They're, they're like, that, 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 that goes against everything that we would be seeing so far. So we have the mode, we have the candidates. Number three, we've, we quickly learned that whenever you see the word baptism, it doesn't always refer to water. In fact, our current count is, how many scriptures refer to water baptism? 21. How many refer to something other than water baptism? 15. Now that's, that's already, that, that's a major hermeneutical point. Because when we get further into the Bible, if we have some verse that talks about baptism, and you're like, whoa, that almost seems to imply that it saves. It may not be referring to water baptism. I'll put it this way. It would at least be a possibility. Right? All right, so there's the mode, candidates. Not, it doesn't always, or we could say the type. It either is water baptism or it points to something else. Next, the order. What's the order? The order seems to be, uh, that's the, that's the uh, formula, right? Teach, believe, confess, and baptism. Teach, believe, confess, baptism, right? Now, and remember, these, these categories that we're form, formulating, as we go through, we're, gonna add, we're either going to continue to confirm these things or, and we're going to add to them, all right? That's all we're doing. And, and we can write the scriptures down for each one of these, but okay. So there's the, we call that what? The order. Next, the formula. The formula so far has been in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that formula was established by whom? Jesus. I think that makes it pretty authoritative, right? Okay, I, I think so. I know in Acts we're going get, to get a different formula. I wish it wasn't the case, right? But, yeah, I mean, we'll have to deal with that there. Next, fasting. What we realize is the example of fasting connected to baptism is the fasting of Jesus, and it occurs after, not before. We have no idea why the early church decided to flip it around and make it a requirement. Because nothing in the scriptures that even indicates it. Right. So that's the way it works. And that was all, that's all our category so far, right? Okay. And we're good to go? Now, that mean, brings us to... Now, remember, uh, help, make sure you help me. Make sure we're not missing any of the words. We're looking for baptism, baptized, baptized, uh, baptized every tense everything we can come up with, all right? All right. So everyone says that uh, the next passage that we are in is Luke 7, right? All right, I'm going to grab two Bibles here. 
Make sure I got every two different translations if we need it. We got everything we need. All right, thinking caps on. All right, Luke 7, everyone says, what verse? 49? 29, all right. 29. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. Now, that's, that will give us two references to what kind of uh, baptism? Water baptism. Who's going to keep count for the water versus the normal? Who's keep, keeping count? All right, Twilight's going to keep count. All right, so that's how many for water? 23. How many for uh, not water? 15. All right. Okay, uh, verse 30. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. That would be a reference to water baptism. Right? We don't have any major issues here. We don't have to work through any major issues here. This is just dealing basically with the baptism of whom? John. All right. right. Next, let's see, uh, the next reference. Okay, we looked, yeah, we looked at verse 30. Okay. Yeah, all right. 1250. Is everybody okay with that? Yeah, 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 we covered 30. Okay, 1138. Okay. All right. Okay, well, uh, here, the, the Greek word will take us to 1138. It's not actually using the word baptism, but that's okay, or baptized. It's not translated that. It's just translated, and when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before Dinner. Now, again, just to make sure you understand, the people who reject immersion, they go to some of these verses that talk about washed or washing or vessels, and we talked about it this morning, and, and they love to argue, well, see, 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 they're not being immersed. Well, one, when it's talking about washing pots and pans or vessels or even a table, you're still talking about making it fully wet, all right? And here, whatever they're washing, right, they're making fully wet. Even if it's just washing your hands. You're, you're either immersing them, submerging You're soaking them. Like they're being made fully wet. So I don't even know why this is an issue, but a lot of the non-immersive uh, people are like, see, see, see? And it's like, I, what are you? Come on. You're making fully wet. Three sprinkles of water on a head is not the same thing, okay? All right? So it, it's, it's not. All right. So next place that we would look. 1250. Everybody on the same page? Okay, if there's any, if we miss anything, make sure someone catches it, all right? 1250, all right. Uh, Verse 49, I come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it be already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straight straight until it be accomplished? Clearly, this is not water baptism, because he's already been baptized. So that's two references to non-water baptism. That puts the numbers at 17 references to non-water baptism. 17. All right, that's, that's, I'm telling you, that's, I know that you may, not, you may, others may think that what we're doing here is ridiculous. It's not ridiculous because if I can, I've already showed you from Romans 6 why this is so important. Because everyone sees the word baptism as like, water! It does not always mean water. 
All right, everybody got those? All right, what's next? All right, chapter 20, verse 4. Everybody okay with that? Do we have anything between 13 and 19? Giving everyone a chance. All right, Stacy is convinced this is it. All right, chapter 20, verse 4. Everybody here? The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? That's obviously water baptism. That's the baptism of John. All right, next. So we're done with Luke. All right, Luke is, cont- is finished. We have finished the Gospel of Luke. All right, now we're to j- the Gospel of John. First thing we need to establish is the date John was written. First thing we need to establish is when was John written. Listen, we have 80 to 95 A.D. 80 to 95 A.D. Let's see if we everyone has agreement with that. 80 to 95 A.D. About 85. All right, what do you have back there, uh, Twala? Okay. Just want to make sure we can once again confirm this. I know we already worked on it, but I like to just verify. 85 to 90. 85 to 90. It's going to be between 80 to 95, I think, is what we're going to typically go with here. Okay, 80 to 95. It could possibly be after. It could be after the Didache. All right, 80 to 95. All right, so 80 to 95. This is important because this puts a... Puts it, obviously, after Matthew, Mark, and Luke, right? It's later, possibly after the Didache. Now, some have the Didache all the way up to 100, so it depends on where it fits in. But so, we're moving forward, right? Agreed? So, the, what would we want to... What? Now, when we look at church history, and we go from the Didache to Tertullian to Hippolytus, we see massive evolutions and change and, and everything, Right? So now here we've gone possibly from 50 A.D. possibly to 80 A.D. or 90 A.D. So what would we want to possibly see? Is there some massive change when we get to John? Well, let's see. Where's the first use of it in John? 125. And they asked him and said unto him, why baptizest thou then, if thou be not Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? Stop right here. Right, who are they referring to? John the Baptist. So what kind of uh, bab- baptism is this? Water baptism. All right, water baptism. All right. So everybody got that one down, so just keeping track of the number. Next, John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. There we go. But there standeth one among you whom you knew, know not. He it, he it is who's coming after me, who's preferred before me, whose shoes latch it, I am not worthy to unloose. Uh, those things which were done and uh, Bethabara, Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. Now, baptizing there again. Now, this time in John, they, they leave out that whole part that Jesus is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. That's left out here. But so in all these cases, it's all water baptism. So what's our count now for references to water baptism? 28. 28. All right. 28 to 17. All right. So it's starting to increase. Starting to increase. But we'll see where this takes us. All right. All right. Next. 
Use? Yeah, we just read it. Yeah. Okay. All right, 31. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. Another reference to water baptism. Okay. Uh, verse 33. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water. Another use of uh, water baptism. This, uh, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. Now there's the non-water baptism. So that gets us to 18 for non-water. All right. Um, we, don't, we don't have a lot going on here. I think that's, that takes care of... Uh, okay, that's, does that take care of all of chapter 1? We agree? All right, nothing, no major changes, pretty straightforward, pretty much similar. Uh, maybe not quite the detail that the other ones gave, correct? Right? Um, I, d- I, don't ever says, I don't think he ever says, um, don't ever says he's baptizing in the Jordan or anything. It doesn't really give much to help us about the mode or just with water. Just stresses the with water part, all right? So we're done with John 1. How about John 2? Anything in John 2? Nope. John 3? All right. 3.22. John 3.22. After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. Now, we may question which baptism is this. I think it's water baptism. Right? Right? And here, and we'll see possibly why, verse 23. And John also was baptizing an Anon near to Salem because there was much water there and they came and were baptized. All right, these are all, all these references are to water baptism, but what is so significant about this verse? Much water. You don't need much water if you're sprinkling people. You don't need much water. So this would be a verse to go with which category? The mode. This would be another proof that the mode of baptism is immersion. I mean, come on. I mean, like, when people argue against this, I mean, why? You don't need much water to sprinkle. I wonder how many people we could baptize with one bottle of Dasani. I wonder. I mean, if we're sprinkling. Okay, I think we could probably, a whole lot of people. So you don't need much water, right? I mean, that just, it it makes no sense. All right, that takes care of that. Anything else in chapter 3? What verse? 26. And there came unto John and said in him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. That would be a reference to what kind of baptism? Water baptism. Now it's interesting because now Jesus is being associated with baptism, right? That him and his disciples are baptizing. Now immediately just any logical person would have to conclude what kind of baptism are they doing? They're following John. They're following John. Right, in the way Jesus was baptized, right. 
They're following John. There, there would have been nothing here that would have been like, wait, they baptize. Is there any time where they're like, he baptizes in a different way? No. Right? No, we know it's the disciples baptizing, and all right, we can get into a whole discussion here. All right. Um, what verse was that? 26. All right. Um, any, anything else in this chapter? All right. 4.1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, this would be water baptism again, so make sure you put that down in our count. Water baptism. So how many do we have now? 35 water. All right. Next verse. Though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. Immediately telling us Jesus wasn't doing the baptism. The disciples were. That's water baptism. Also, it would imply that what what practice are they following? They're practicing John's baptism. They're just following the same pattern. All right. In other words, there's been no major change has has emerged. All right. Uh, Anything else in chapter four? None in chapter four? All right. Nothing in five? Nothing in six? Nothing in seven? Nothing in eight? Nothing in nine? This brings us to chapter 10. All right. What verse in chapter 10? 40. What are we going to find in 40? And went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized, and there he abode. That's water baptism, because we're referring to John's baptism, so you can count it as water baptism. Oh, okay, no, I'm sorry. That was chapter 10, verse 40, sorry. Okay. Yeah, but still, we're going to just be fair. If we know it's referring... Yeah, yeah, we're just going to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, we're just going to be fair. All right. Next. Are we done with John? That's the end? All right. We finished John. He doesn't. All right. We're done with John. All right. Now, this is where things are going to get iffy. All right. All right. This is where things get convoluted, complicated, and this is where most of the debate rages. Most of the debate rages from Mark 16. It's Mark 16, just so that you know, Mark 16, Acts, Corinthians, and then I think it's 1st or 2nd Peter is where most of the debate rages. We took, we took care of Mark 16. That, that, that's not even complicated. I don't, Church of Christ make a big deal out of that. The fact that they can't read that verse and make any sense of it is beyond my comprehension. I don't get it, all right? And I can't understand why a Presbyterian can't figure out baptizo means immersion. I, it makes no sense. And I can't understand why you... Go, so we've completed the four Gospels. The four Gospels, which is the actual words of Christ. And you would not get done with those Gospels and say, first of all, you would never say that it's required for salvation. Never. Clearly, you would say it's by immersion. Clearly, you would not be baptizing babies. There's just, I mean, like, I mean, there's no way, right? So now Acts is where the, everything is going to possibly go wrong, all right? So we're going to be fair with this, and we're going to work through it. Um, I wish we could finish Acts tonight. I don't know if we can, but if, and we're going to try to be fair. And if you have an issue or, or concern, let me know, and we're going to do our best to work through it. All right, here we go. Where's the first reference in Acts? 1-5. 
For John truly baptized with water. There's a water reference. Make sure you count it. But ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. All right, that's clearly not. And it amazing you get a water and a non-water in the same verse. It's happened frequently. Because why? You know why they can do that? You would think it seems ridiculous to do that. Well, because the word just simply means, because we use the word baptize, but you, it's just really kind of a transliteration over. It just means immerse, to submerge into, to be united in, to be placed in, to be fully overwhelmed with. So it's not, it's just like baptize. Well, we see, we, as soon as we hear the word baptism, we just immediately think of, an, of a, either a sacrament or an ordinance where someone's put it into water, but it's just saying, you're going to be immersed. You're going to be, you're going to be submerged into. You're like that, it's not, I, I, we have to change our way of thinking sometimes there, right? The next reference. One twenty-two. Is everyone okay with that? Okay. All right. Well, we'll go to one twenty-two first. Beginning from the baptism of John, unto the same day that he was taken up from us, uh, must uh, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection? All right. Ba- that's baptism of John. That's water reference. So you can write that down as a water reference. Nothing major there that we have to work on. All right. Everybody good with that? Next reference. 238. Everybody okay with that one? All right. 238. All right. 238. All right. 238. All right. Here we go. Now, this is where, this is the verse that creates all the problems. All right. 238 is the verse that causes all the problems. So we're going to spend as much time as we need to on 2.38. Everybody ready? Here we go. 2.38. Now when they, uh, first verse 37, this is important. Now when they heard this, everybody note that? They heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? So immediately, what do we know about verse 37? They've been... They're receiving teaching, right? Not only they receive teaching, they obviously possess some understanding. And now they're seeking to know what they should or shouldn't do. Clearly, that removes whom from this category? The babies are not involved. Clearly, it's supporting our order, right? Teaching, right? And then what happens in verse 38? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, Right? We can connect that with believing. You can connect that with changing your mind. You can add repentance to it as long as you say change. So if we want to go with the order, we would have what? Teach. We could have, uh, we could have, we'll say repent, believe, and confess. Yeah, I guess you could do it that order if you want. And of course, we're saying repentance is a change of mind, which would make sense. It's a change of mind. Yes. All right. Uh, because obviously that repent, you say, well, that means turn away from your sins. Well, how do you know they've turned away from their sins? So then people say, well, it means willingness to turn away from sin. That, that's just none of that really works. All right, here we go. And be baptized, every one of you. Here's the first problem. What's the first problem? 
In the name of Jesus Christ. Stop right there. All right. That seems to go different than the formula. Right. That's, I mean, it says in the name of Jesus. So you can either go, one is Pentecostal, and they'll say, what's the name of Jesus? Father. What's the name of Jesus? Son. What's the name of Jesus? Holy Spirit. So basically, one, there's just one God who manifests himself in three different ways. See, I said what word I used? Manifest, which is modalism and Sabellianism. All right? That's a major problem. All right? So they, they use this to support a oneness concept. All right? Now, why do you think it says be baptized in the name of Jesus? From a practical standpoint. Not a theological standpoint, but a practical. Do what? Okay. Some would argue it's differentiating itself from Jesus' baptism, where he says to baptize the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that, what, what, but what's the practical reason you think they're doing this? Okay, some said simplicity, right? Really think about it. Thinking caps on. All right, what's happening in Acts 2? Go to Acts 2.1. Day of Pentecost. Who's the audience? Jews. Jews are the audience. Okay. What do they want the Jews to know about Jesus? He's the Messiah. So what are they emphasizing here? By being baptized in the name of Jesus, they're showing that they are believing, acknowledging, and going to be united to Jesus as their... Messiah. I think it's more for a practical purpose. Now, some people say, well, that's so confusing because Jesus says Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why is Peter saying the name of Jesus? Look, I understand it's confusing. I understand it's convoluted. But I'm, st- I'm still going to go with the formula Jesus gave. Right? Because I think here, though, the emphasis is trying to show them that Jesus is the Messiah that you killed. You killed your Messiah. But he's not dead. And so you're going to be baptized in his name. All right? So I think, I'm not saying that's a perfect solution. Because, but there is no real great solution. That's the best I can come up with. That's, but that's only problem one in this verse. What's the next problem? Nope, you got another problem before that. For the remission of sins. Oh, boy. This is where all the problems start. Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John has not indicated anything like this. Not even hinted at this. In fact, we have someone who's dying on the cross, who Jesus says, you'll be with me today in paradise, and he doesn't even get baptized. Right? So we know we have some issues here. All right. So what are our options? How do we handle this? Okay, we have a couple of ways of understanding the word for here, right? What are the different ways we can interpret the word for? Let me give you an example. Someone walks in, Twyla walks into church, right? She's, she's running a little late. She's all irritated while she walks in. What happened? I just got a speeding ticket. I got a, just got a ticket for speeding. Now, did, what, did she get a ticket for speeding? What does she mean by that? She got a ticket because she was speeding. Some would say the four here would mean 
because you're being baptized because of the remission of sins. Not everyone, th- everyone, some people think that's a horrible explanation here. Some people think it's a horrible explanation. Now, I, d- I don't think if we look up in the Greek, we're even going to get much here. There, you already looked. No help. A lot of different ways, all right? Is, what, does that give us the hint that it's possible to translate it? Baptize because of the remission of sins? All right, so it doesn't seem to offer it as an op- as an op- even possible. I know it's got all kinds. I was just seeing if that because of is possible one. Okay, so that doesn't help us any. Okay, all right. So, I, I don't know what to tell you, all right? Uh, I wish I had an easy, I wish I had an easy answer. Here's what I do know. Um, your, your, your options here are, are complicated, right? Here's your options. We have to either make now baptism a means of one receiving the remission of sins. If we do that, what's required? It has to always be required, and you can never make an exception. And people who make exception, that's trash, because either it is or isn't. All right? Okay? Because I know it's just, it's just foolish for people to say, because every time someone says, it, it brings about the forgiveness of sins, are the very first ones to start making exceptions for it. Right? Well, great-grandpa was on his way to church to get baptized. I'm sorry, great-grandpa just went to hell because he died before he got there. Right? But, but you, you can't start making exceptions. Oh, I know. Tertullian tried to make exceptions as well. Because immediately I have to do that. Second, if baptism brings about the remission of sins, here's the big one. Someone is baptized. They can't lose their salvation. All their sins have been remitted. So don't give me the garbage that they can lose it because what, what, by what sin could they lose it since all their sins have been forgiven? But everyone who believes in baptismal regeneration all believe that you can lose it, which makes, and they quote this verse to prove baptismal regeneration, which goes, uh, is just not, is not helpful in any way, shape, or form. In the Mark 16, chapter, right? Mm-hmm. They try to put them together. Oh, yeah, second half is like, who is condemned? Those who don't believe. Yeah, it didn't say. Right, it doesn't say that. All right. Yeah, well, I think you have to go with the majority scripture. I, but I'm just saying, if, if you're going to go with this is the way it works, then there are no exceptions and everyone who is baptized is saved because all of their sins have been remitted. Period. The end. Done. But, but everyone wants to make an exception. I, I st- now, a lot of people say for, they're, they're, I got commentaries who would say the Greek does allow for the for to be because of, but if we're not finding it, then I don't know what to say other than I wish that it was more clear. I wish it was more clear. All right? But, um, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. I, I, this is one of those verses that is so frustrating, but it's just, that's just the way it works. 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. This, I, I, will, I will be the first to acknowledge, I'll be the first to acknowledge, this verse is difficult. But you know what drives, you know what drives me crazy here? Well, I will give Church of Christ, I will give Church of Christ credit here. Because Church of Christ obviously rejects infant baptism. But Church of Christ would be the, those who would say something like, well, yeah, it is, it is required for the forgiveness of sins. Now, they believe you can lose your salvation, but they would say, guess what else is required? You have to believe, you have to repent, and you have to be baptized. So at least they bring it together, right? What drives me crazy is people use this verse to support that baptism washes away the sins of, an eight, of an, a, a baby that's eight days old, and they remove what requirements? Believe, repent, confess. All right, well, that's a, major, that's a major problem. That's a major problem. I wish we could get that four there to mean because of. I wish. Oh, I wish. I wish. I wish. I wish. I wish. But, um, yeah, many do not uh, see it that way. In fact, let me look here. Because I think, see, many will argue that the Greek can mean that. I wish we could get comfort. I wish we could prove that one way or the other. I was hoping we could. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. For, uh, for example, for the forgiveness of your sins. This might be better translated because of the forgiveness of sins. See, so they say it's, that's how it should be translated. Okay, what are you looking at? Thayer's Greek lexicon, and what does it say? Okay. With respect to of res in re, relation in reference to. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I wish we could just prove that one way or the other. I wish we could prove it. I wish we put it, even if we couldn't prove it, I wish we could make sure we could argue it's a possibility. If we can make it a possibility, that would be great. Let, let's do this. Uh, let's look up uh, on BibleHub.com, Acts 2. Um, and I'm spending a lot of time on this, but that's okay. Acts 2.38, let's look at every uh, English translation ever written. Yeah, uh, it's just a website, BibleHub.com. I reference it all the time. Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38. Here we go, BibleHub.com. I don't know why it took me to Acts 28. Hang on, let me get it. You just do a Google search for Acts 2.38, and BibleHub is almost always the first or second option. All right, Acts 2.38. Here we go. The New International... Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. The New Living Translation, for um, ESV, for Berean Study, for Oh, yeah, the Amplified Bible does do that. Uh, and Peter said, repent, change your old way of thinking. Oh, they, they give repent. Turn from your sinful ways. Accept and follow Jesus as Messiah and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus because of the forgiveness of your sins. Wow. The Amplified definitely goes that direction. Okay, unto. 
So the Amplified is the first one that does that. I like, oh, we're going to start using the Amplified. Okay, no, I'm just joking. All right. Um, I like the, the Aramaic Bible and plain English. You ready for this? Uh, return to God and be immersed, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jehovah, Yeshua, for release from sin. But it says immersed. They literally use the word immersed there. Um, yeah, so most are going to go unto or for. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to take all the other. You'd have to take all the other verses because this is the one that. This is probably the the one. This is a very. Put it this way. So many other times. So many other times. Uh, like, well, we'll we'll take we'll take we'll, we'll just go through it and see. But I, typically, when you look up scriptures about salvation, they don't connect it to baptism. Right? You can look up scripture after scripture after scripture that talks about salvation. It doesn't connect it to baptism. So the fact that it is connected to baptism here is unfortunate. But um, I, it is interesting. The Amplified thinks you can definitely, they definitely just straight up translate it because of, they don't even like, <laughs> they, don't even, they don't even hint that it could be that way. So I don't know. Um, obviously that translation committee thinks it's possible, but maybe that's their own theological bias. But Oh, yeah, so that you can, yeah. So, there, yeah, that, that's not helpful. But there you go. Acts 2, 38. So the main thing to do, to do this is the first problem is just the, um, uh, in the name of Jesus. We kind of work through that one, right? It's not a, 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 I think there's a practical explanation for that. The second problem is for the remission of sins. We are, what are our options? Just make sure we know with this. For the remission of sins, what are all the things we're saying about this? First, we just look at it, we will agree with it and take it to its logical conclusion, right? That's what we always do. Let's say it's right. I get baptized in order to receive the forgiveness of sins. Here, we take it to its logical conclusion. What must we conclude? First, there can be no exception. If you're not baptized, you don't get the remission of sins. Number two, That, that if, if, you get your sins remi- uh, if you get baptized, your sins are remitted, so therefore your salvation is secure. You can't then turn around and lose it if all your sins have been remitted, right? right? Number three, what would be a third thing that we could draw from this? If we take it to its logical conclusion... That anytime we preach salvation, you would have to preach baptism. You would have to preach. In other words, and that's clearly not the case in the rest of the Bible, but that would have what you would have to demand. Like, what, hey, what must I do to be saved? Believe and be baptized. Like, whatever, it would have to be every time someone says, hey, what should I do to be saved? It wouldn't be believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It would be believe and be baptized. And that, and oh, scripture after scripture that refers to salvation does not attach it to baptism. So that's at least a problem. And there's going to be another problem later on when Paul's like, hey, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you people. Well, that's kind of messed up. Okay. Now, Romans actually supports the case because everybody uses Romans 6 to say, but that gets into the point, is it referring to water baptism? But other parts of Romans would be a problem, right? Because other parts just say, 
believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, right? So, and then, uh, so, and so what we hope, what we, and I, we can't dogmatically assert it, and I don't even know if we can say it's a definitive possibility, is that how we would read it, or at least we would hope it's the correct way, is that you repent, believe, and be baptized because of the remission of sins. But we cannot say that that's a, we can't really even say it's possible or probable, but we can point to the Amplified Bible and say, well, at least they thought it was. Okay. Right. Now, see, they've received the Holy Ghost. And they have not. And they haven't been baptized. So that, see, that, that really, yeah, that book. Yeah, that's going to raise some serious questions. But for now, just based off what we have, remember, we're just trying to go with where we are, that we're, that, that, that's kind of the best we can do with Acts 2.38. But just to know, everyone, if you ever get into a debate about baptism, Acts 2.38 is coming up. I don't care if you talk to a Catholic, Greek Orthodox, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Church of Christ, everyone runs to Acts 2.38. Everyone. Everyone. I guess the only side that probably doesn't typically go to Acts 2.38 would be us Baptist. Because let's be fair. It's not helpful to us. It's very difficult for us. I'll just be honest with it. Unless we carry around the Amplified. I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with your Bible, but the Amplified, uh, the Amplified has it all figured out, okay? And, and we'll use the Aramaic because it says immersed, okay? We're going to use an Aramaic Bible and uh, the Amplified, all right? But, but, but yeah, I, wish we could, I wish we could solve that problem, but uh, look, we'll just be honest. It's a difficult verse. But, I, 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 but it is true, as we move forward, as we move forward, what we're going to see is Acts 2, th- listen to me carefully, all right? I want to make sure everybody gets this down. As we move forward, pay close, just keep Acts 2.38 in your mind, because here's what we're going to see. Right now, Acts 2.38 is difficult for us. But as you move forward in the Bible, not only looking at all the other verses about baptism, looking at all the other verses about salvation, Acts 2.38 becomes a problem for everyone. Like, it's problematic for us right now, but that verse becomes problems for everyone because it's contradicted by what even comes later in the same book. It becomes a problem for everyone. It really does. This verse is used to argue against Trinitarians. This, this verse is used to argue against everyone. So everyone runs to this verse to use it, but if they're honest, later verses cause them problems because they're like, well, wait a minute, what do I do with Acts 2.38? Right, next, where's the next time baptism is used? 41. Now this is good, all right? Why is this good, all right? Then they that gladly received his word, were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Why is this important? They received the word first. So this supports what? Order. Supports order. All right? And and, oh, let me just go back to Acts 2.38 one last time. Acts 2.38 does not support infant baptism for the remission of sins. Anyone who reads that into Acts 2.38 is being an absolute liar. Right. No way is that work. 
All right? Acts 2.38 does not support infant baptism. If you're going to quote to me Acts 2.38 all day, we'll say, okay, the order would be teach, repent, believe, confess, and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Okay. But it does not support infant baptism. No way. Because repent is even in Acts 2.38, is it not? Yeah. And then just a couple of verses later, Yeah, they're pricked in, Yeah, they're taught. They're taught. They're convicted. Yeah, the whole the whole order is laid out. The whole order is laid out, and it's even repeated again in a roundabout way here in two forty one. They that gladly receive his word. This is not babies. Everybody got that. So even though Acts two thirty eight poses us a problem, anyone using that verse to support infant baptism for the remission of sins, they are lying. All right, and I'm not even going to be nice about that. And that puts me at odds with, say, Chris Rosebro from Fighting for the Faith, who I greatly respect. But I'm sorry, when he teaches infant baptism as a Lutheran, that's just trash to use that verse. Because that verse clearly demonstrates you got to repent. you got to be taught. All right, so, all right, so we, we, we've taken care of that. Is that everything in Acts 2? All right. All right, so nothing in 3. Does everyone agree there's nothing in 3? Yes? All right, nothing in four. Oh boy, here we go. Nothing in five. Nothing in six. Nothing in seven. Here we go. Eight. All right, verse 12, you said? All right. But when they believed, Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. All right, what does this support? Supports the order again, right? They've been taught, right? They have to believe. They have to believe. And please note, does it mention children? Typically when children are mentioned with men and women, are they not separated? Okay, uh, which verse mentioned children? Thirty-nine for this for the promise is unto you and to your children. Yeah, the promise if you repent and are baptized for the remission of sins it doesn't necessarily say that they should be baptized. It just means there's a promise to children. Right, but I'm saying the promise is just hey, if you b- repent and believe. But yeah, so but I I, I agree there. But uh, so do do this really quick. Look up in a concordance or or, or whatever. Look up the phrase men and women. And see where, whenever that phrase men and women are used with children. So how is that frequently, when children are present with men and women, does it mention the children separate from men and women? It may or may not. I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud. How many times does it, uh, when, it, when children are present, it includes them? I, there's probably some references where they're grouped together, but I'm just saying clearly there's times in the Bible where children are present. It, it, it labels them as either little ones or children. There's quite a few. Men, women, and children. 
Like, but how many, by how many do we have here, references that where it does that? About how many? Okay, Deuteronomy is the first one. Okay. Men, women, and children, all right. Do we have any of that? Let's do this. So, clearly, multiple times in the Old Testament, it says men, women, and children. The children are listed different. Does, it, does that ever happen in the New Testament? That's the big question. Two in Matthew. Okay, give me the Matthew references. Okay, Matthew 14, 21, and it says specifically. The children are listed separately. All right, that's Matthew 14, 21. Second. And that's Matthew 14, 1538. All right. So even in the New Testament, they're separated. Right? This is, I don't think the phrase ever shows up in Acts, but okay. But you can see that it, it's there. All right? Right. But it's saying in this case, who's baptized? It does not mention children. You can argue all day. Well, they're included. The text doesn't. It would be easy for them to include them, Right? I mean, the Bible does it frequently. So the fact that they're not there, put it there. Who would, who, who would have to, the burden of proof would be on whom? The burden of proof would be on those who claim children are involved in baptism because it clearly does not mention them here. All right. That was Acts what? 8.12. All right. Everybody got that? Verse 13. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. Please note, what was the order? Believed, believed and baptized. All right. Next verse. 15 or 16. For as, as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Right. Now this one causes some problems, right? Because... This is about the Holy Spirit, but there have been people who have been baptized in the name of Jesus, but guess what hasn't happened to them? The Holy Spirit hasn't fallen on them. But wait a minute, Acts 2.38 seems to say you get the Holy Spirit after you get baptized. Does everybody see the issue? Go back to Acts 2.38. Doesn't say you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.38 doesn't say you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Or did I miss something? Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it right there in Acts 2.38? Oh, my bad. Okay. Well, I know, but I'm just saying, these people had been baptized. It says they've been baptized in the name of Jesus. What has not happened to them yet? Okay, we're, we're in Acts 8, right? Okay, I want to make sure, I don't know, I just want to make sure there's no confusion here, Right? For as yet, he was fallen upon none of them. What has not fallen on none of them? Holy Spirit. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They'd been baptized in the name of Jesus, yet hadn't received the Holy Spirit. Why is this important? What what doctrine does this create in the minds of some people? The doctrine of subsequence, right? Which is, everyone, Pentecost, if you know any Pentecostals, many of them know, believe this, what has to happen? You're saved, but what do you not have yet? The Holy Spirit. You have to seek the Holy Spirit. 
You have to seek the Holy Spirit. How do you know when you get it? Speaking in tongues. That's the sign of getting it. So in other words, you don't get the Holy Spirit at salvation, or some will, some will even argue you're not truly saved yet. It gets into all kinds of... of, of Oh, yeah, all, all kinds of issues can happen here, right? But the point is that this creates issues. So what do we do with this kind of verse? Well, wait a minute. These people were baptized and didn't have the Holy Spirit? Well, th- were they saved? Were they not saved? All kinds of questions come into play. How do we process this? What, what, what's, what's the only like, possible way to work through this? Acts is what kind of a book? A transitional book. It's transitioning us out of an Old Testament into a New Testament. And there's some weird, odd things that happen here that, I, that there's no way we can make this the prescription and how things normally work. Right? Because you got, like already, you, you have in Acts 2, repent, baptize, you get the Holy Spirit. Here, people have clearly believed and been baptized, yet they haven't gotten the Holy Spirit. Now, they're getting ready to get it, but they didn't get it immediately after the baptism. So then, then you would have to teach that you repent. This would have to ultimately be the order. You have to repent, you have to believe, or you have to repent, believe, confess, be baptized, and then later get the Holy Spirit. Nobody's going to follow that other than maybe some Pentecostals. And you're going to end up with all kinds of, of problems and confusion. All right? What happens? Then laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. This would mean nobody can receive the Holy Ghost until what? Someone lays, lays hands on you. Well, now, who's the people who have the power to lay hands? Can I lay hands on someone and they get the Holy Spirit? This becomes all kinds of problematic. Everybody with me? All right? Right? Is it mentioned anymore here in chapter 8? Well, yeah, then you would think it would only the apostles. So then this leads to what? If it's only the apostles who can do it, then it requires apostolic succession, and now you're going right back to Roman Catholicism. Now, you've got charismatics today who claim they're apostles, but then, oh man, you see where all the, I mean, oh, that's why Christianity can be a mess. All right, any more in chapter 8? 36. All right, here we go. We're going to have to stop here because we're over time. All right, that Acts 2.38. I knew it was going to cause us all kinds of problems. All right, just so that we know what happens here. Verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus, right? Meaning we have teaching happening first, right? And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, That's water baptism if you're keeping count, right? And Philip said, If thou believest with thine all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So they commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Another water reference. And when they were coming up, out of the water. All right. So, once again, what do we have confirmation of? Uh, We have clearly the mode is immersion. Clearly we have the order. There's teaching. There's believing. 
There's baptism. Now, you could say, well, we don't really have the repenting and the confessing, which once again, the scripture, they don't always lay everything out, do they? They don't always, but clearly, but clearly, a change of mind is evident, right? Right. But I'm saying, obviously, he's changed his mind. Because he hears the message and he changes his mind and wants to be baptized, right? So clearly repentance is implied there. Yes? All right. Um, and then we're going to have to stop there. Is that, is that everything in eight? We're good in eight? Okay. So that brings us to the next reference. Nine eighteen. All right. So we'll and we won't read it now. Just remember, someone write down nine eighteen. Nine eighteen. All right. That's where we have to stop. All right. Any questions? What was the final count? I had forty six nineteen, but I may have missed. Okay. Uh, do I have forty? What do you? Okay. We'll go 40, we'll just say 4619, just to be, I would, I'll, I'll be as fair as I can be. All right, if we miss one, that's okay. We've got 4619, I'd rather be, I would be rather too high one way or the other, and then be fair. 4619. So, at this point, clearly the water baptism is becoming the prominent discussion. And you can see why. We're in Acts, right? The, the, new, the early church. So now, baptism is trying to be applied. Um, any other questions or thoughts? On, on any of these verses or any of the problems that we have at least tried to be fair with. Nothing? All right. But, but uh, just the main thing to focus on is just to realize that, that Acts 2.38 seems to establish this clear way it's supposed to work. But already we've seen the pattern somewhat broke at least a little bit. And not only that, you're going to see later on that when, when people are talking about how to be saved, they don't keep mentioning, they don't mention baptism with it. So you have to at least acknowledge, well, that's kind of a problem, right? You've got to admit, admit that that's a possible problem. And then later on, it's going to even become more problematic because the Apostle Paul is going to be like, I wasn't sent to baptize. Well, if he wasn't sent to baptize, wouldn't any person who's sent to preach be called to baptize? Since baptism is essential for salvation like how could the apostle paul of all people who's going missionary journey saying hey i wasn't sent to baptize that's a problem and why would he look at everyone in the church of corinth and going hey i'm glad that i didn't baptize most of you well wait a minute how, how are they going to be saved without baptism so that's where you start having major problems okay uh because that that's going to become a major issue so we'll have to deal with that all right any other questions or thoughts All right, that gets us to Acts. Where did we stop? Okay, chapter 9, verse 18. Make sure everybody remembers. Okay, the goal is Wednesday night. See if we can finish Acts. I wanted to finish it tonight, but I knew Acts 2.38 was going to be a problem, man. I knew it was going to be a problem. I wish there were simple answers there. I wish there were simple answers, but there's not. All right, let's pray. Lord God, we come before you this evening. Lord, as we try to go through every one of these scriptures, Lord, I pray that we remain fair. I pray that we acknowledge one of verses complicated or difficult for our theology, but I hope that we will be just as willing to be very fair and acknowledge the difficulty a verse may present for a different uh, perspective. And let us seek truth, not our side. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said...